Scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. As John taught his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give, you, give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I ask you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among, who, among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. You may remain seated as we sing our next hymn this morning and let the music help you focus and be in a spirit of prayer. thanks today for the wonderful musical offering 
that Ashley lifted up for us. I think a crop offering to the Lord is appropriate. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you so much. You touch our spirit and our soul with your music. Thank you. Today, as I begin, in the introduction, we have a passage that is incredibly important for us as children of God and people of the body of Christ. And first of all, as we engage this passage today, asking it the important question, what does it say to us in our time and this day? And frankly, this is one of those passages that pretty much say the same thing yesterday and today. And that is the emphasis on prayer through the Gospels and also by the teachings of Jesus is that we are called to be a people who push, which is pray until something happens. Can you say that for me? Push. There you go. Pray until something happens. But prayer for us is often a, a difficult thing to wrestle with. We talk about it in passing, or even, in fact, sometimes do it in passing, but very seldom do we ask questions of prayer in our regular devotional life, our spiritual life, and what it means to us. It's hard for many of us to understand prayer. And too often, prayer is neglected as a topic for us as a people of God. It's taken for granted, and it should never be. Some years ago, a very famous pastor by the name of Griffith wrote a fascinating book, still relevant to today, Uh, although some of the things he lifted up, you could see that he was very insightful and in some ways could see the future coming. And in that, the book is titled Barriers to Christian Belief. And you know, the number two most difficult barrier to Christian belief, both for those within the church as well as outside of the church, is the issue of unanswered prayer. Unanswered prayer. Many, in fact, in their experience, get discouraged. Many times they give up. And they drop out on faith because they sense some kind of failure in their relationship with God when they experience a time when they feel that God is not answering their prayer. This leads us to ask then, how do you pray? Why pray at all? When do you pray? Is there a special formula or sacred language to use? One thing in all of it is clear. Prayer must be more than an emergency kind of uh, magical lamp that we rub occasionally when we're in crisis. The truth is, is that many people give up on prayer because they don't know what it is. They don't know what it's designed to do, even though they have perhaps been a practicing Christian for all of their lives. And yet still, 
have not approached this important relationship in a deep level. So we say, when what often passes for prayer is kind of like superstitious at times or self-indulgent at times, there's something else going on in the gospel today. How do you pray and why? We're not the first to ask. The disciples of Jesus came to him one day and said to Jesus, you heard it in the scripture, said, Lord, teach us. Teach us to pray. Now I want you to notice something here. Notice when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. I'll give you some choices. Was it after Jesus delivered a great seminar on prayer? The answer? No. No! Resoundingly. Come on, no. No. Was it after Jesus preached a powerful sermon on prayer? No. That's right. It happened, as the scripture tells us. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. In other words, they saw the power of prayer in Jesus. And they wanted some. Can I get an amen? They saw how important prayer was to Jesus. Here before their very eyes, they saw a personality in whom prayer was vital and influential. And the more they lived with him, the longer they followed him and cohabitated, cohabitated with Jesus, the more they were able to see this power of the presence of God in his life and its relationship to his prayer life and his connection. Isn't that powerful? The disciples were sometimes slow on the uptake. Have you noticed that through the gospel? But on this one, They were spot on. Lord, teach us to pray. So as we listen to the teachings of Jesus, follow his word, the first thing is, first of all, Jesus prayed regularly, and so can we. Right? You've heard the gospel over and over Jesus takes intentional time from the work and life of his ministry. We're talking about the Son of God. We're talking about one who from birth was born in communion with the creator of the universe. And yet, while walking this world in the flesh of humanity, Jesus took intentional time out regularly to pray and be in communion with God. And so can we. There's a rather simple parable. It's uh, true, but not factual. Is that okay? True, but not factual. It's an old and relatively simple tale, but it's so very, very powerful for us. And in it, we have a man who in his cabin in the middle of the night, experiences the Lord appearing to him in a body of light. 
And the Lord says to the man, in front of your cabin, there's a huge boulder. It was a rock. And I want you to push against that rock. So after the Lord left, every day, the man went out there. And for several hours, for a couple of years, put his shoulder against that boulder and he pushed and he pushed and he pushed. He sweat, he suffered, he struggled, his hands got calloused. And finally, after about two years, he looked in the mirror and he said to himself, That's it! I'm done! I'll go ahead and show up. You know, that's the least I can do. I'll show up. And that's about all. I'm done. And then he figured he'd pray to God. God, why have you done this to me? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? And with that, once again, the Lord appeared as this wonderful body of light. And he spoke to the man. And he said, what do you mean that you have failed? He said, I failed to move the rock. And God said to him, I didn't ask you to move the rock. I asked you to push it. And now, after this time, you say you've gained nothing. God said, look at yourself in the mirror. Your back is strong and brown and sinewy. Your arms like pistons. Your legs, muscles are like stone. And your skin and complexion from the sun and the air is clean and wonderful. You have not failed. You've grown strong. I didn't ask you to move the rock. I only asked you to push it. Now I'm going to move the rock. And you stay faithful. The word to us then, and that I would say to you, is that we need to remember deeply to push. What does push mean? Pray. You're slow today. I know it's hot outside, but the new air conditioning had pretty cool in here. Push. What does it mean? When everything seems to go wrong, you have to push. When the job gets you down and you're doing all you can, You still have to push. When people don't react the way you think they should, what do you do? When your money is gone and the bills are due, what do you do? Push Push hard, don't you? (laughs) And when people just don't understand you, then pray until they do. Do you understand We do all we can do, and then we push.
First issue of prayer, regular. Secondly, Jesus prayed sensibly, and so can we. You look at the prayer of Jesus, the Lord's Prayer, which, by the way, I would suggest to you, it is a way to start prayer time or end prayer time. It is not the entire prayer term. Can I get an amen? But what does he tell us? We're asking deeply in our heart for sensible things, for our daily bread, to forgive others as we seek to be forgiven, to be able to emerge with security when evil confronts us. These are sensible things. The problem with people is when they're raised and say, well, you ask anything at all in the name of Jesus, it's going to happen for you. Well, yeah, when you ask in the name of Jesus, it's going to happen, but maybe not what you expect. Amen? We are called to pray sensibly. Wonderful uh, British theologian of the 20th century, uh, Leslie Weatherhead, and he wrestled with this issue for much of his work and life. He recalled a time when he was about 15 years old, and he had an important test, and it was a final exam. Really heavily weighted. It was in a subject he wasn't that good at, but he had studied pretty hard. And so he prayed, he's raised in a conservative Christian family, and he prayed in the name of Jesus that he would pass that test. And when the next day he failed that test, he said it put a hole in his faith, even at that very young age, that seemed to duplicate and grow as he aged. But he said, and then at some point, the light dawned on him in adulthood, and surprisingly, later in adulthood than you'd think, that perhaps God's will on that test was that he take the course over, study harder, and actually get an A. Can I get an amen? We are called to pray sensibly. We're called to reach down for those things that make sense. And I want to tell you, every one of you here today can sit from the deepest part of your heart and pray that you win the lottery tomorrow. And I would almost guarantee not one of you would bring home a winning ticket. Amen. No, we're... And some of the things we ask for, that seems ludicrous. But other things we ask for are also beyond the scope. And sometimes, if answered the way that we want it, would create nothing but a shower of tears. You hear me? Third, Jesus prayed confidently, and so can we. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you're praying regularly, if you're praying sensibly, then you can also pray confidently because you have developed the communion and experience of that communion with God. You've nurtured and developed that wordless, often, conversation that helps us grow in faith 
and in depth of spirit. I came across something I hadn't seen before. And after this many years, that's kind of exciting, amen? It was a 17th century rabbi by the name of Leona Medina. And this is very important, this third point. I want you to really hear this. He described prayer this way. He said, and I quote, If you watch a man out on a boat, grab a rope, and pull his boat to the shore, you might think, if you were confused about weight and motion, that he was really pulling the shore to his boat. People have much the same confusion about spiritual weight and motion. In prayer, some believe that you are pulling God closer to you. But in fact, the heartfelt prayer pulls you closer to God. Do you hear what I'm saying? The heartfelt prayer brings you closer to God. And that's the goal of deep prayer. And I share with you today that in my life I have prayed in fear and joy. And not just recently. In crisis and in calm. But each time I understood that what I was asking for was not the object of my prayer. My prayer, let's say that I would be healed, was a prayer stripped of all of its topmost layers. A prayer to be assured that whatever happens is going to be all right. Every prayer this way is a prayer for peace. It is peace in the world and in one soul. And the certainty that pain is not empty. The world is not a void. And the soul is never alone. So I close today by asking God's blessing of prayer upon you all. And if you are praying for that lottery and hit it, remember 10%. (laughs) But I wouldn't confidently count on that. Rather, what I'd wish for you is not a wallet full of funds, but a heart filled with Christ. Thus ends the message. Thanks be to God. I send you forth as a people in whom the actual Spirit of Christ continues to walk the face of this good earth. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be upon you always.
Thanks for listening to this podcast of the First United Methodist Church in Turlock, California. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. For more information about our church, visit www.fumcturlock.org or call the church at 209-668-3000. Visitors are always welcome. And now, may the peace of the Lord dwell in your hearts this day, and may God bless you.